It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us radio at agphd.com. I'm Darren Hefty, along with my brother Brian, and uh, to start the show off today, Brian, you got any comments? You get to drive through some snow today. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't north of town. Well, I was doing a meeting with a number of farmers up in northeast South Dakota. It was a lot of fun. Just talked through some of the issues that are going on in our industry. Yeah, there, there was some snow on the way up, at least. On the way back, the roads were just a little bit better, but we're kind of used to that in South Dakota. Winter actually came a little bit late for us this year, so it's been pretty good so far. But yeah, here just in the last week, we've been getting some snow. Well, this morning we were talking, and it's it's really the big questions. Number one, what's going on with pricing? Two, how about supplies? And three, when are things going to get back to normal? Well, the getting back to normal thing I don't think is going to happen anytime soon. Will it happen for the 2023 growing season? I doubt it. For 24, I feel pretty good about that. Now, I'm not saying that things won't get better by next year, but let's first of all keep in mind there aren't a lot of things that are problematic. I mean, seed prices are pretty flat from last year. Most ag chemicals are only up just a little bit. The only real problems we have is fertilizer. It's two to three times the price of last year. And then we've got issues with glyphosate, glufosinate. And I know BSF is having a lot of problems too. They're really short on supplies on a lot of things. But other than that, I mean, most of the ag chemical stuff, Darren, I feel really good about that we're going to have supply. The price isn't that bad. Uh, well, so. Fortunately, it's today and not 30 years ago where there was, in many cases, one choice for different things. We've got a lot of choices right now. So, yeah, you can't get one product. Uh, no big deal. We'll just use option B. Exactly. And in a lot of cases, there's not just two options. There aren't just two options. There might be six or ten. Well, one of the things we were talking about this morning is, all right, how about Dicamba and Enlist and all this stuff you can spray post-emerge or Liberty? I said, look, Liberty's high, high, much higher priced. Uh, Roundup is much higher priced and not killing the weeds as much. With Dicamba, you know you can't spray it late because you're worried about drift or volatility. So why don't you use more residual herbicides? And I was just showing you guys this morning, I can pick five chemistries, five, for a total of 20 to 22 bucks. That's it. And I said, all of these have residual. All of these will kill water hemp and kochia. I'm like, why don't you guys use this combination here and spend 20 or 22 bucks? That's less than what one application of Liberty costs right now. So anyway, hopefully I got some guys thinking about that, that look, this year, you're probably going to have to do some things different. Now, it might not be what you're used to or what your your first choice was, but there are some really good alternatives. So you can do a good job killing your weeds, your insects, your diseases, and you aren't spending a fortune. And in the future, you can go back to whatever you're comfortable with or whatever you've normally done, but not this year. There are too many things that have changed, and there are too many opportunities out there. We can't miss out on the fact that, we got great commodity prices. Corn's six dollars here locally right now. Six dollars. I can sell it off the combine for next fall at five already, and I think the market's going up. I I was telling some guys yesterday. I was in California a couple weeks ago. The gas price is five dollars. Five dollars. 
I think oil prices are only going up. Well, if they do, then probably corn prices will go up. So I don't know. Maybe things won't. But I feel really optimistic as a farmer that my commodity prices are going to be good for a little while. And if they're good, we got to take advantage of it. So Anyway, I, I'm just, I'm super optimistic about 2022. Yeah, you hear these horror stories and, oh, this went up and that. Look, most things did not go up that much. So you can still pencil out a profit on most operations when I'm going through things with guys, with corn and soybeans and wheat and what almost whatever crop you want to raise, if you manage it well. But that starts with planning today. So if you haven't spent some time going through your cropping plan for this next year and starting to lock in some of your costs, I'd encourage you to do so. Now, the other thing, just going back to 2008, that's the last time that things ran way up really fast. Fertilizer was as high in 2008 as it was today, or it is today. Roundup was as high in 2008 as it is today. So some of these things have happened before. Well, here's what happened then. A lot of people paid the money for the high-priced fertilizer and high-priced Roundup and everything else, but they didn't sell any of their grain ahead. And then... The, cra- the cash grain market went down. So that's the worst possible scenario where you have higher costs and lower commodity prices. So all I'm saying, you do whatever you want to do. But I know like on our farm, we've already started to sell some of our 2022 grain because we've locked in some of our 2022 costs. that are a little higher than normal. So anyway, just something for you to at least be thinking about and talking to your advisors and your family and everybody in your business about that. Because that is one thing that was a mistake that some people back in 2008 said, boy, I'm not going to do that again. Well, I'm here to remind you that you said that 13 years ago. Just be thinking about it going into 2022. All right. A lot of stuff happening out there and we're getting a number of different questions and we'll dive right into the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. First question comes from Jonathan down in New Zealand. And Jonathan said, I listened to your show and I've learned many ideas and tips that apply to my type of farming. I grow pine trees, not other crops at this point, but the row cropping uh, done here is very similar. We're, we're selling each, we're selling by each single tree and we're selling 8 million trees. Wow. That's a lot of trees, Jonathan. Uh, he said, in one of your shows, you talked about a company that makes mycorrhizal fungi. And I'm curious about that as I'm shifting properties around and need to add some mycorrhizae to the soil. Just wondering if you could send me the details about which company that is. Hey, thanks, Jonathan. Uh, probably the biggest one in the in the world that I'm aware of is Valent Company. They bought out a company called Mycorrhizal Solutions out in the state of Oregon on the west coast of the U.S. And uh, Valent now has a number of different mycorrhizal products and they sell globally so that would be a good contact to get in touch with again that's valent you just spell it v-a-l-e-n-t if you search for them uh, i think you'll you'll probably find a local contact in new zealand thanks jonathan it is farmer friday on today's program we're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or you can email us radio at agphd.com we'll be right back What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. 
Talk to your local retailer today to put fears to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Conditioning low-moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. And with our 13 for 13 year-end special, make 13% beans possible with 13% off an end-zone bin system. Use promo code 13 for 13 at farmshopmfg.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. I had, you know, I got in the studio today. I'm like, man, it's Friday. I can't believe how fast this week has gone. Maybe it's gone fast for you as well. And if you've had a question that you wanted to ask, now is a great time to do it. We're taking calls all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Kansas. we got Michael on with us right now. Michael, did you guys escape all that weather that came through? It's funny you should ask. I am out in the middle of a cornfield picking up roofing off of a building that blew apart in the uh, in the uh, windstorms. It's kind of like a horrible Easter egg hunt. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, uh, exactly. Easter egg hunt gone wrong. Yeah, but we're darn lucky here. Uh, it's not very far away from me. They they had a fire that burned over four hundred sixty thousand acres. Lots of uh, lost livestock, homes, and the like, and. Uh, I can count myself pretty uh, lucky that all I need to do is replace some roofing tin. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Oh, man, our hearts go out to all those folks. It's And what a terrible time. This is something I know my wife and I were talking about. We're like, man, this normally doesn't happen to us in December. And, wow, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> it's rough. So the rest of what we're doing here in Kansas is we're putting up with a lot of really dry weather. I've had a total of seven one-hundredths of an inch of rain in the last uh, couple months. That doesn't get you very far. No, and it doesn't soak in. That's the one thing. I, I was just talking to somebody down in the state of Nebraska yesterday, and they're like, well, you guys have caught a few rains. And I said, yep, in the top three inches, we've got a little bit of moisture. But you get below that, we had to go down about 10 feet before we hit moisture. We were digging oh, wow. uh, a couple of big holes. Uh, actually, we purposely tore down a couple old buildings. And uh, anyway, we were getting rid of the old concrete and whatnot. And, and man, I just couldn't believe how dry it was when, once you got down in there. So does that change your plans for what, what crops you'll consider for next year? Does that mean more sorghum in your area or more wheat? Well, it's a little too late for us to change our plans on wheat. It's all winter wheat in this area. Okay. Uh, my question is how 
far do we go or how much nitrogen do we put on this winter, especially mm-hmm. considering the price situation and yeah. is it going to get any more rain? That said, we had one rain shower, a good rain at the end of September. It was our last good rain. And uh, the wheat came up in, in good shape. But do you go ahead and put down a full dose or put two-thirds of it on this winter? Or or what do we do? Yeah. That's, that's a big question. Boy, it is. And it's uh, unfortunately a million-dollar question this year, too, with, as you mentioned, the price of nitrogen fertilizer and I don't know what to say on that, if we're going to gonna have a great crop or not. The winter wheat actually in South Dakota came up pretty well this year, too. So guys are hoping that we have a decent winter and things hang on. But, yeah, I, I suspect there's a lot of nitrogen decisions that are going to hold off till spring. Yeah, and it's uh, when most of us, all of us that have been growing wheat for a long time, knows it only takes a couple rainstorms to uh, to save a crop, too. So, uh as far as changing the uh, the crop mix for other crops, I haven't changed my seed order yet. That's about all I can say. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of a box on, on sorghum. I would love to grow more, but I've uh, been in a heavy rotating it in every three years and got too many shatter cane and other weed problems to really consider expanding the acres. It's unlikely to be growing a, a, a weedy jungle if I, uh, if I up my uh, sorghum acres anymore. Yeah, that's a tough weed to have in, in a sorghum rotation. What do you think about some of these new sorghum traits coming that will offer some different herbicide tolerances for, for guys to use? I, I'm i intrigued by them. I, I'm, I wouldn't be afraid to try one. But, uh, you know, anybody wants to come up with something new for sorghum, I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, but I'm not aware of whether they have anything that really is going to control shatter cane and not... Uh, not cross over and be in the shatter cane population in two more years. Yeah. 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 That's for sure. um, So there's a little dose of skepticism there, but a lot of hope. You bet. You bet. Well, Michael, uh, I know you're busy today and, and, oh man, I feel for everybody there cleaning up after the the storm and disaster and uh, good luck to you. And I know Christmas is just a week away. Hopefully, hopefully things look a little brighter by then. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you and everybody out there. You bet. Thanks, Michael. Let's head over to the state of Iowa. I know Iowa had some pretty severe winds this week, too. We got Quinn on with us right now. Quinn, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys today? Not too bad. Not too bad. How did how did things fare around your part of Iowa? Well, as far as the storm, um, we, we, we saw some high winds. Um, there were some, you know, scattered tornadoes that they were sighted and stuff, uh, I just feel fortunate we didn't have any crops in the ground. You right. know, it kind of saved us there. Yep. How about for the manure hauling? Did that get all done pretty early? You had a pretty nice fall for it. Well, yeah, you know, um, the weather, we were so dry. Um, we were so dry all season. Um, going back to early, early last spring, we, you know, we had ground that was fit to work and do stuff out in the field, but it was just too cold, too early, you know, for as far as field, you know, putting seeds in the ground, stuff like that. So I, as far as our operation goes, we, we really got a lot more done in the spring than we typically would. Um, so that kind of carried over. I think there was a lot of empty, you know, storage that was further down than typical. So I think it was, you know, and, and we had a marginal, you know, pretty good fall hauling season. So I think everything got done pretty much. As far as our operation goes, we had everything uh, emptied out in the spring and we emptied everything out in the fall here. So 
Yeah, I've had a number of guys talk about fertilizer being in tight supply and just ridiculously high priced. And the question has been, what do you think about spring manure application? I thought, well, we only have to look back to this spring to have some experience with that. <laughs> we've, we've been there just yeah. this past year. We, uh, my my dad and I, we, we've done some, you know, probably more spring application than, than a lot of guys do, um, beans that we, we do custom haul. So we're not as afraid of it as some guys can be, but, um, you know, it's with spring with spring, you know, it just depends on your weather. That's, that's the main key. You know, if you got a wet, wet, uh, groggy spring, you know, I'd, I'd like to stay away from it. But like he said, with the input prices where they're at, that's a gamble. I think a lot of guys are willing to take. Yeah, I think so too. Well, and being dry, we we do have some options that, like you say, we we get wet a lot of times in the spring, and then it just isn't a good option. But but man, if things are dry, I can get out in the fields without making a big mess. Yeah, it's and you know, um, we were kind of dry. I felt we were dry going in. We kind of our our water supplies went down, you know, and um, going into this spring, we we were dry, and then I mean, right here you know, locally where, where we're at, I mean, we had some farms that I don't think they got six inches of rain on them all summer, you know, and, uh, we did get a, get some rain this fall, of course, when we didn't need it, you know, I mean, we'll take it, but you know, you don't want it when you're doing field work, but we did get some rains this fall, but nothing to, to, you know, build up our, our water store. And, uh, so we're kind of going into winter here pretty dry yet. Yep. So are you a tough guy to shop for at Christmas time, Quinn? You got something big on your Christmas list. My brother had a corn planter on the list and man, that's an expensive Christmas present. How about you? I always, I always tell my wife a brand new pickup would be great, but she just has never got me that. And, and Maybe I tell someday. you what, it's just so disappointing. <laughs> well, you got to stay on the but nice yeah, list, Quinn. That's the problem. You got to oh, stay on the nice list. I know list. it. I know it. Yeah, we we try to not get anything for each other. We have a we have a daughter that's almost four years old, so it's kind of all about her, anyways. So. Oh man, what a it's, fun it's time! More, more or less about the kids. Yeah, it is. It is, and uh, and we're we're excited. We got some traveling to do for for Christmas. We, my wife, my wife's family's from Des Moines, so we go down there, and and so we do have some slight travel. Not like some people do, but it, it's still a little bit. But hopefully, the weather stays good. And, and and that kind of thing so yeah absolutely make that make that easy to get down to see grandpa and grandma I, the little kid christmas years are just so much it's so much fun just to watch them it, it is and we have uh we my wife and i we have several nieces and nephews and and uh, they're all from the age of six six on down to my daughter's the youngest at almost four so it's it's a fun age you know they're 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 crazy and they have fun. So <laughs> awesome. Well, great. Hopefully that weather does hold out for you. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And Merry Christmas to you guys as well. Thanks. Uh, it's farmer Friday and ag PhD radio. And you're right. Uh, uh, sometimes these Christmas lists can get a little spendy, uh, but it's still, it's still a fun time of year on farmer Friday. If you've got something on your wish list, or if you've got an agronomic question for us, give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back.
it came in waves, ruthlessly eliminating the toughest, hard-to-kill grassy weeds in wheat. Everest 3.0 Herbicide, a new formulation, delivers superior flush-after-flush control of wild oats and green foxtail. And Everest 3.0 is registered for use on yellow foxtail, barnyard grass, Japanese brome, and key broadleaf weeds that can invade your wheat and rob your yields. Ask your retailer about Everest 3.0. Always read and follow label directions. Looking to upgrade your productivity now and take control of your cash flow next season? Check out CanDo Financing on Case IH tractors and hay tools today. Discover amazing rates on the remarkably versatile Farmall, premium comfort Vestrum, and versatile workhorse Maxim tractors. Plus, save on high-capacity round balers and disc mower conditioners. Make this season your most productive yet. Winter is here, and that means it's the perfect time to improve your farming operation by attending Ag PhD's winter workshops and clinics. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting a bunch of free workshops throughout January and February, with each event focusing on different subjects that all help you make more money on the farm. On January 11th, we start off with a wheat agronomy workshop, followed by two days dedicated to understanding soils and cutting fertilizer expenses. Then on Monday, January 31st, we're dedicating a whole day to drainage and the benefits of tile, followed by our corn agronomy workshop on February 1st. Finally, we'll be discussing soybean agronomy on February 15th, with the next day fully devoted to learning about one of the newest developments in increasing yields across the country, natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information on how to improve your farm, and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, all these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Learn more and register at agphd.com. The first name and last word in weed control in heavier, higher organic soil types is Authority Edge Herbicide from FMC. This proprietary combination of actives outperforms the competition, delivering up to 14 more days of residual control. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Authority Edge Herbicide may not be registered for sale or use in all states. Weeds rob you of yield potential, so rob them of the chance to grow with powerful corn herbicide solutions from Corteva AgriScience. Weeds won't know what hit them, but you will. Because you can count on all the top corn herbicide products, including Resicor, SureStart 2, and Keystone NXT, to effectively control weeds, you can spend less time worrying about unwanted yield-robbing plants and power on. Learn more at poweroverweeds.com power. Keystone NXT is a restricted-use pesticide. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, and you can be part of the show. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you'd like to call in, chat about what's happening on your farm, or ask an agronomic question, we'd love to have you. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head out west to Oregon. We've got Josh on with us right now. Josh, how are you doing today? Oh, not too bad. Just uh, enjoying the little bit of snow we got yesterday. There you go. You need the moisture, I'm sure, right? Ah, uh, yes, in a very bad way. <laughs> it was very dry this year. I think we our crop year this year we had maybe eight inches for the whole crop year. Wow. Which is, I think, average for us is around twelve. So, yeah, it was it was it was dry. 
Well, hopefully we catch a little more snow and melt that right down into the ground. That'd be fantastic. What uh, What are you thinking about for next year's crop? What are you changing anything up on the farm? Uh, we're pretty much uh, wheat and Kim follow rotation. Um, we tried a th- couple things different this year, which in hindsight worked out on our favor for pricing. Um, we bought ourselves a Coulter machine and put our anhydrous in this spring and it was about from the spring to when we usually put it in this fall when we're planting wheat it was about 25 to 30 cents price difference of uh in and anhydrous so yeah sometimes, some, you, luck out. sometimes you luck out you're exactly right <laughs> and you know it it's for no for no reason other than that it's just how it worked for us and uh, we'll take it because, man, these fertilizer prices are, are not fun. I know we had talked once about zinc on wheat. Did you see anything different? Did you try going after some of those micros this past year? Um, Not full hearted me. I, I, I've been, last couple of years, I've been putting zinc in our starter package and putting like a half a pound of zinc in with their starter. And uh, and also, I, last year was the first year I put in uh, zinc coating on the wheat seed. Oh, okay. Um, I, I thought, I thought it came out of the ground a little quicker and looked a little, a little better. Awesome. To start out with. So I don't know. I don't have any data saying it did better, but it looked a lot better. Yeah. Well, oftentimes, I mean, that's kind of one of the things you're going for. If I can get a, a good early vigorous stand, doesn't always mean more yield, but it's, uh, I'd always take that if I could get it. No doubt about that. Yeah. So, no, it was a it was a rough year. Uh, Dad, I think we're probably about fifteen percent below average on yield this year. So, a lot, I mean, better than some, but yeah, it was it was rough. When when you look at the chem fallow side, what are the toughest weeds to get under control? Uh, we have uh, really bad trouble with with uh, Russian thistles in the, our June spray job. There's becoming a uh, resistance to Roundup, and uh, it's becoming a challenge if you don't if you if you don't time it right, and you wait too long, or you couldn't get to it, and yeah, it could be. It's been hard to. Some people have actually switching out of no-till and going back to conventional just because they can't kill the Russian thistle. Oh, yeah. Brian, comment on this for me with Russian thistle. What did Dad always say he was thinking was happening? Do you think it was crossing with kosher? I think Dad was pretty convinced that that must have happened because yep. it was Cross, getting tougher Russian to kill here, thistle, too. Kosher. Yep, yep. So, yeah, if it, if it has the red stem on it, it's it's no matter what you put on it, uh, Roundup, it won't touch it. So, yeah, Paraquat usually gets it, but... But usually yeah. costs more money, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it's it's and isn't as much fun to handle. And I know some people want to bash Roundup, but boy, the safety factor in Roundup compared to to using Gramoxone, it's it's a night and day difference. Yeah, the the Kempfell yeah. market's always interesting. I'm I'm always curious what guys are doing and uh, if guys are looking at uh, tillage is obviously one option. But man, you can't till every day, and then. Uh, you look at some of the different products, most of them that we're using don't have a whole lot of residuals. So you, you end up, if it does happen to rain, which this year it's going to, it can't be as bad as last year. Uh, you, you're going to have I another flush come. Well, yeah, and we're experimenting with uh, different things 
uh, residuals in the fall and spring to help out. And uh, we're seeing some better results with that, at least getting the population down, I think. Good, good. Yeah, the the residual market's kind of interesting. And then, you know, of course, this rainfall thing really messes with it because you get eight inches of rain, like you say, instead of 12. And then you're worried about, man, I got to be careful which residual I use because I want to make sure it's gone so it doesn't hurt my crop. And and then uh, you have a year where you get 20 inches of rain instead of 12. And you think, man, that didn't last very long for me. So, yeah, it's never yeah. never easy. It's always something to learn. But uh, Josh, really kudos to you for, for trying some different things. And it's kind of interesting what you're doing on the zinc. Hopefully, if that adds a little more profit to the uh, to the table every year, that's that's a good deal for you. Yeah, yeah, they experimenting more and more with different things. I actually have a question for you. I oh, sure. meant to ask you the last time I called was uh, I was reading the oh the PAC Insider magazine and there's uh, I think it was the last one or two ones ago. It was about uh, soil sampling, reading them and. What other different ratios you look at um, uh, when you're looking at soil soil test? I, I there was phosphorus to zinc, and you had the base saturation um, K to something else. What other uh, ratios do you look at to yeah. kind of give you an idea? Sure. So, Josh, I would just say the biggest ones that we are looking at. First of all, it's phosphorus to zinc, and for us. And the lab we're using and the tests we're running, it's been about 10 to 1 maximizes yield. Now, I'm not saying 12 to 1 is terrible or 8 to 1 is terrible, but you want to be somewhere in the general vicinity of 10 to 1. Phosphorus to copper is around 30 to 1. And in terms of potassium, yeah, we talk about it in ratio with really the base saturation test. So we want that percentage in the base saturation to be 4 to 8% typically. The other thing is you could look at the magnesium to potassium ratio. So that's another way to look at that. You can, I mean, in effect, you're kind of doing the same thing with base saturation, but if you want to look specifically to magnesium to potassium, that's been a big one on our farm. And we want it about two to one. So that's oh, where yeah. yield has been maximized. And it's it's been really interesting. And we've matched up all our soil test grid points with all our yield data. Then what we found is all our high yields are coming when that magnesium to potassium ratio is down like two and a half to one or less. If we've got a three to one, four to one, five to one, six to one, uh, yield just keeps going down. So anyway, it's oh, okay. just been really interesting and eye-opening when we've started putting all this stuff together, yield together with soil test, and then we just chart it out. And so we'll look at individual nutrients, but then to your point, yeah, we do look at the ratios quite often. And so those are probably the ones that stand out most to us. I guess one other one that I would mention is nitrogen to potassium, and that's going to vary depending on the crop you're raising. So like for us, when we raise corn, we apply nitrogen. When we raise soybeans, we don't. But with that nitrogen to potassium thing, what what ends up happening is you can still get pretty good yield if your nitrogen to potassium ratio is too high, but you're much more prone to lodging issues. So if any farmer we work with ever has a lodging problem, then we're going to look at that. Okay, how much potassium do you have in the soil and how much nitrogen is there at the same time? If you get the ratio out of whack, then a lot of times your stock is more spindly uh, you just had so much upward growth without the building up of the stock and you get a big ear or a big head or, a, you know, whatever on it and it just can't support it and it falls over. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. No, I was going to come to your uh, wheat workshop in January and then the soil thing, but uh, I have, I'm on the local board and I they plan strategic planning that that those days, so I could can't make it. So. Well, we'll uh, we'll have stuff online and available for streaming at some point too. I always tell people though, and for any of our listeners, we'd really encourage you if you can. And I realize it doesn't always work out, like in Josh's case, but if you can, attend some of these workshops in person because not only will Darren and I be there, we can answer your questions, talk to you face to face, but we'll have other trained agronomists there too to go thing through things with you. So if you got questions, you really want to dive into your soil tests or any problems you are having in your farm. We can help you with all that. So anyway, thanks a lot for the call, Josh. Appreciate it, and best of luck to you out there. Yeah, you too. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? I'm Darren Hefty. On Tuesday, January 11th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in-depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, fertility requirements, and ways you can make your crop more resistant to stresses like drought and disease. We'll be covering all this and more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. And while you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There is a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. 
with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Patient as ever, we've got Rock from Illinois on the phone lines. Rock, thanks for hanging on there. How are you fellows doing out there today? You know, it's uh, every day above ground's a good day, so we're doing well. That's right. We are enjoying a bonus day, December 17th here in northwestern Illinois. It's uh kind of rare that we get to do field tiling washing machinery and cleaning up around the buildings december 17th so we're taking advantage of this beautiful day today that's awesome you know i was in nebraska yesterday and i saw someone pouring concrete outside i was like wow that doesn't happen in the middle of december very often so yeah when you get those times you got to get stuff done you have did you have a good fall on your farm we were very fortunate. Uh, we had a wind event in northwestern Illinois here. Uh, we were pretty lucky, but, you know, everybody got the crop out. Uh, we we had eight inches of rain there, but fortunately it dried up and everybody got the soybeans out, the flat corn out. Uh, everyone got their fertilizer on, uh, tillage done, and this is just a real treat. This is kind of uncommon that we had this many working days this fall. Absolutely. Now you mentioned the tiling, and this is one that uh, I know on our farm we've still got some rolls of tile sitting out in the field that we're hoping to get all in the ground. Do you have a lot of tiling work to do? Is this uh, new stuff that you're doing, or repair, or addition? What what kind of tiling are you into? Well, this is some long overdue stuff on a farm we've rented for a lot of years that so we finally purchased. Now we're going forward with the tiling proj- project on it. So we try to do every, some a little bit every year, you know, and, and kind of space it out. But uh, this particular 80 really, really needed it. And, uh, and then we also have a 40 that will probably be scheduled for next year. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's just great we're getting it done and look forward to uh, that soil being drier and in better condition next year, hopefully. Yeah, I love that when we get it out there uh, so it's in place when spring comes around and the ground thaws out. And uh, I, I, for our farm, the biggest times we're worried about, about the soil being fit is planting and harvest. And that's usually the times we're the most wet. So looks like you're going to be in place to have a great year next year. This is kind of a different demon we're battling here. I'm not I'm sure you're familiar with what we call gumbo here in northwestern Illinois. It's some oh, yeah. really very tight black, gray, orange stuff, and hopefully it will drain into this new tile. So, yeah. Yeah, that will be interesting. Your spacing, though, I'm afraid, is going to have to be pretty tight. Yeah, we're about 50 foot, and, uh, you know, we're, we're deep enough, and we have grade. We have fall that uh, hopefully we won't get into it with our strip till equipment. Yeah. Yeah, yep, that's for sure. Well, uh, good luck to you on that. I hate to take any time away from you when you got a bonus day like this to to get after it and get work done. As as you're cleaning up equipment, uh, this is one thing that I think is pretty interesting too. We like to try and get that done as fast as we can, but it doesn't always happen. So, uh, like you say, here's one of those shots. Are, are you noticing some things already? Did you have a lot of wear and tear this fall? For some reason, we had a terrific amount of demons in equipment this year. Whether it was grain legs gearboxes and grain legs, uh, equipment. But the fortunate thing is when you pull off this production and no one was hurt, that's the main thing. You know, when you take that last pass across the field, it's such a rewarding feeling. 
but we got through it and uh nothing major you know just a few things here and there but hey it was great meeting you two this summer and i really enjoyed your field day out there at baltic this summer it was great when we came back from wyoming and we tied that in with your field day and what a production you fellas put on out there Oh, thanks, Rock. Yeah, we had a really fun time at our field day this year. It did get a little smoky when the wind turned and all that uh, forest fire smoke from up in Canada started blowing down through. But uh, outside of that, it was it was a great day and just just great to get around a, a lot of people again, get out in the field talking and, and seeing, comparing some notes and so forth. And yeah, we had fun. So, so glad you could make it. Hopefully you can make it again to another one. Sure hope so. You bet. Well, thanks, Rock. We really appreciate having you on. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas to you too also. Thank you. Brian, got a few soil tests that came in. This is from Carter up in northern Minnesota, and we often talk about this on the show when we look at the cation exchange capacity. So you notice four four different soils there. And he said, okay, so we got a CEC as low as 14, a CEC as high as 30. And he said, even though the CEC may not seem like it should be like this, we consider the soil to be a lighter, sandier type. Uh, but anyway, here's the rest of the questions. He said, we got high pH issues. Uh, soybean and corn yields always seem to be hard to push unless we happen to catch some rain the end of July, early August. Uh, spring wheat and canola, we generally do pretty well with those. Been using a lot of ammonium sulfate for our sulfur needs or banding P and K along with copper in furrow for spring wheat, but we're broadcasting fertility needs for canola, soybeans, and corn. We're planting in 22-inch rows. Just wondering if we should be deep banding P and K. Wonder if AMS, uh, along with MAP, could help prevent some of the phosphorus from tying up by acidifying the zone around that. And then Here, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's ask, ask one question okay. at a time. I can't answer all of them. At all right. Once. Okay. So, so, so ask first one of all, question. Brian, I just looked through. I just gazed through those well, tests, and it looked well, to me like pretty low levels of P and K. Well, what was his first question? What did Should you he just be say? deep banding P and K? Okay, I don't have any issue with deep pan banding P and K. I like that, but here's the fact of the matter. Your P and your K levels are so low, you're lucky to raise the crop you're raising. You got as low as 0.3% base saturation K and 10, 4. But look at the and, parts per million on, and on the K. Five even the parts, parts per million, million on phosphorus. Yeah, I, even the parts per million on the K. Some of them were, were really, really low. Yeah, so it goes right along with the base saturation thing. So here's where I'm going with this. Honestly, if it was my ground, and I owned it, okay, if I own it, I'm going to treat it maybe a little bit different than if I rent it, especially if I might lose it in the next couple of years if I'm renting it. But if I own it, I'm going to invest money and I'm going to broadcast and I'm going to deep band because your zero to six doesn't have a lot of fertility, zero to six inches deep. But Okay. I'm so guessing let's, let's then that it was, down below doesn't have any either. Say it was your times, ground, Brian. Oh, now, you haven't oh. picked up any new ground that I'm aware of for next year, but when you think about it, we've got high prices right now. So would you right. ban to get by this year and then look for a year where prices come back in line? Right. Oh, okay. So when I was doing this meeting in Northeast South Dakota this morning, I just told the guys, look, last fall, for example, on our farm, and obviously everything, hindsight's twenty twenty. but when I saw fertilizer prices hit a 15-year rock bottom, it's like, hey, guys, I am telling our people on our farm, we are going to load her up. So we literally spent $300 an acre on every single acre we farm last year on fertility, and a lot of that was last fall with these build programs where we took all our 
junk fertility stuff and said, all right, we're going from whatever we're at on K, three or 4%, we're raising it to seven. We're taking our, our phosphorus levels. If they're 30, 40, 50, we're getting them to 100 to 150. We're building everything up now that we have this chance at fertilizers cheap. So obviously there's a little bit of luck involved, but when you see things drop and they, they bottom out, that's when you capitalize and that's when you really build. But even so, you have to be on somewhat of a build program this year because if all you want to do is put out grain removal only for any of these things, you're not going to maximize yield. You're not even close because it takes so much more to raise the plant than just what the grain is going to pull away. And the other thing is when you don't have, and I, I, I apologize, it might come off harsh, but when you don't have any fertility in the soil, like what we're dealing with in here, then you've got to, you got to add more. You got to go above and beyond. So we've had fields like these before, and we just put on basically double what we normally would. And then that's pretty decent. Okay, so yeah, you need to be on at least a little bit of a build program, even though fertilizer prices are super high. And I know it's a little tough to take and you go, oh my goodness, man, I'm going to have to spend whatever, $250 or $300 an acre on fertilizer for corn. But I look at it on our farm. We got 240 bushel yield potential times five bucks. Even if you only had 200 bushel yield potential times five bucks, that's $1,000 an acre. You can afford to spend some money on fertilizer. So I'm fine deep banding, but you got to do some broadcast too. Okay, what else do you have, Darren? All right. Uh, then he said, uh, do you think the AMS will help the map from getting tied up in high pH soil? It's going to help a little bit. It might still tie up, but it'll hopefully come available because of uh, the, the ammonium and the sulfate. Go ahead. Okay. Then he said, do you think setting up the planter to pull the air cart behind to place the dry PNK 2x2 would be a huge benefit and make phosphorus more available? It's going to make it a little bit more available, but the, the point is your phosphorus levels are just super low. So I'd like you to deep band it. I'd like you to put some on with the fertilizer or with the planter and broadcast. All right. A lot of homework there for you, but thanks for the question, Carter. We really appreciate it. We'll be right back after this. When it comes to commanding herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Panther SC, an animal when it comes to speed of control and long residual on a broad spectrum of tough broadleaf weeds like mare's tail, palmer amaranth, and water hemp. And did we mention convenience? Panther SC works in pre-plant, pre-emerge, and post-harvest systems and keeps your rotation options open. New Farm and Panther SC, here to help. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 12th and 13th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the most important two days that you spend in your farming career, and it's all free. 
So register now at agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Purchase your dream tractor and save your cash with can-do financing from Case IH. Save on the remarkably versatile Farmall, premium comfort Vestrum, and versatile workhorse Maxim tractors. Plus, discover amazing rates on high-capacity round balers and disc mower conditioners. Upgrade your equipment now and keep your cash flow strong next season. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844 44 Ag PhD. We've got Ross on with us now. Ross is from Wisconsin, but Ross, I understand you're doing a little traveling today. Yeah, I just, just left up in your area this morning out by Sisseton, so a load of cows going back to Green Bay. Yep, yep. So you get to drive through a little bit of snow. How how widespread was that? Uh, I would say from Sisseton to Sock Center was about the end of it. Okay. So we got out of it now. But the yeah, roads are pretty slippery yesterday. Yeah, that that's no fun when you're when you're driving a big rig, no doubt about that. So what what are you learning yeah. this this uh, fall and winter so far? Well, we learned we're going to cut back on corn for next year. <laughs> you and, must have uh, ta- you must have talked to the fertilizer dealer. Oh well, yeah, yeah, we we been uh talk talk back in October and uh, we're going to kind of take our better fields for corn and, and less less ground for beans and more forage, I guess. we got cattle to feed, too. You bet. You bet. What do you What do you like when you when you mention forage? Do you have a go-to, or do you try several different things? Well, we've, we've got different things. Uh, we'll put up, you know, seed down some hay with, with some uh, uh, grass in it for, for baling and then uh, more uh, silage, uh, corn silage, or even sedangrass for that. So we, we just feed steers by us, so we're not into the cow milking part of it anymore. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, everybody's got... Yeah, we'll, use, we'll use wheat corn silage, too. Okay. Yeah, everybody's got different forage-type things they like to, to raise, and, of course, it depends on where you're at. So uh, you said you're heading back sure. towards the Green Bay area, and everybody thinks, oh, no, it's December. Green Bay's going to be cold, but uh, winter's been pretty decent so far, hasn't it? Yeah, we've been really fortunate, and uh, we, we we don't get as cold as you guys do. Uh, we got Lake Michigan right nearby. They'll keep us no warm up through January, up in the 30s and some 40s. And once it settles into January, then it'll stay cold until about the first of April. 
Right. Yeah, that lake does make it different. Yeah, it sure does. It sure does. All right. So, uh, so fertilizer's high. Uh, Going to take corn on some of the good ground. Uh, did you guys have any of the rootworm issues we saw down in Iowa and over in Minnesota this year, or was it was it not as bad up in Wisconsin? We didn't have any issues at all with rootworm. Actually, this is about one of the best years for corn that I've ever remembered. Uh, once we got through June, the rain started coming, the heat was there, and, and uh, yeah, we really fortunate for growing season. I, I thought it was the best yields we ever had. Awesome. Outstanding. Well, that that is fantastic. Okay, Ross, so you're already doing all this driving here for the cattle. You have to do any driving for uh, for Christmas gatherings coming up? Uh, no, no. Well, everything will be at home. Excellent. Well, Merry Christmas to you and your family, Ross. It's great talking to you today. You bet. Appreciate it. Uh, Brian, I got a question that came in from Matt, and he said, I'm growing organic vegetables and potatoes, and I want to build the soil via cover crops and manure. I'm in Ontario. I've got a heavy clay soil, and I want to store carbon and build my soil up. My concern is the ground becomes really hard to the point where uh, it's about four inches and I'm hitting just rock hard ground. So I want to reduce my tillage, but no-till has just been a challenge for me with weed control and compaction. So yep. wondering what your thoughts are. How would you manage this going forward and trying to build the soil yet do this organic production too? First thing, I'd put tile in the ground. That's going to solve a lot of your compaction issues because now you'll have the water table lower. So you'll have much more no-till production when you have the tile in the ground. You'll also have a warmer soil in the spring. Tile is essential. So anybody listening, if you want a no-till, first thing you got to do, put tile in the ground. Next thing, on your soil test, I want you to take a look at what is your calcium percentage. If your calcium percentage is in at least 65% on the base saturation test and preferably 75%, you're going to have problems with compaction in the future. By getting the calcium level up, what that does is it, in effect, makes your soil more porous. So now you can get moisture going down deeper. You can get air going down deeper. You can get roots going down deeper. So now you've got more of a spongy soil. So a lot of people talk about using gypsum because that's calcium along with sulfur. And most many of our crops anymore are short on sulfur, it seems like. So the other thing with sulfur is then it combined with some of the things that you maybe don't want it at high levels in your soil, like magnesium and sodium, and flush those out. And at the same time, then replace them with calcium in that gypsum. So I'm not saying gypsum is your answer. I'm simply saying look at the soil test and let's see where we go from there. So you can send us your soil test if you want. But those are the first couple of things that I would think about. I'll just tell you, too, on our farm, we had about a 10-year stretch where we did no-till on half the farm. That was about roughly, let's call it, 25 years ago to 15 years ago. And we switched those no-till acres because we're row crop primarily, corn and soybeans. But we switched those no-till acres to strip-till. And that, for us at least, gave us what we felt was the best of both worlds. Because now we were able to deep place our fertilizer. We were also able to warm up that strip so we could get more fertility into the plant throughout the season. And we were able to get the plant off to a better start because we had that strip that was black and much warmer. So anyway, just some things for you to think about there. Uh, beyond that, weed control is not that difficult in no-till or conventional till if you take the right steps. And it starts by pre-planning because there are many of the best herbicides 
and least expensive herbicides, they're pre-plant or pre-emerge herbicides. So if you miss that opportunity, then you're just behind the eight ball all year in terms of weed, weed control. So plan ahead, have a good aggressive plan to get those weeds under control. It's not that difficult, not that expensive, but you have to plan ahead because you're going to need pre-emerge residual herbicides. But yeah, I, I we never really had any problem at all controlling weeds in the no-till. It's just, it's different compared to conventional till. All right. Uh, thanks for the question. Get this uh, a set of questions here that came in from Chip. And he said, uh, I've been following your recommendations on soil sampling. We're marking locations with the GPS point and repeating samples in that same spot every year. We've got spots out there that have dropped a full percentage point of base saturation sodium. And we've been aggressive with gypsum and sulfur recommendations, a couple hundred pounds of sulfur every fall. We're putting on irrigation water around 40 inches, got another five inches of rainfall this year. Harvested triticale in the spring, planted corn after the triticale. Uh, we, we're still putting manure out there. It gets a couple inches of manure water every year. But does this seem realistic to you that we're dropping like that in base saturation sodium? Also seeing some of the salts uh, and, and things going on there too. So can you drop a full point on sodium in one year? It's unlikely. Now, is it possible? Absolutely it is. So we, we, we've been talking- a lot of water. It's a lot of water moving through. Right, exactly. So we've been talking about sodic soils a fair amount here on the show over the last couple of years. But it's just about like that no-till conversation that we were just having a minute ago. First step, if you've got sodium levels over 1% on the base saturation test is you get tile in the ground. You have to have tile. And the reason why is because we want to turn that sodium into a salt and we're going to flush it out as fast as we can. And the more water you have, the more heat you have, and the more you put something out there that can help the sodium turn to a salt. So for example, sulfate. This is again why a lot of people like gypsum because they'll put calcium into the soil. Gypsum is just calcium sulfate. And don't don't misunderstand, I'm not saying, oh, everybody in the world needs to use gypsum. It's this magic product. But in this case, calcium replaces the sodium in the soil. The sulfate binds with the sodium to form sodium sulfate, which is a salt, and then it can leach out. And so the, the point about fallow and having more problems after fallow, well, if stuff is just sitting there and we're not doing anything, then it is possible that our levels are going to maintain or even go up in terms of sodium. But for sodium in a lot of soils, if you just have more water, more heat, you make sure something is there to help turn it into a salt. Yes, you you can be dropping that and you can manage that. And, and here's the other big thing to think about, because when I look at this, it's a lot of 3% sodium. Okay, that's not disaster, all right? But if it goes a few points higher, it's going to be disaster. Your soil is going to get tighter. You're going to have less production. You're going to have less profitability and soon your ground's junk. So that's part of the reason why we always want to soil test and be on these things so we catch it before it becomes a major problem and either us or potentially our kids has to spend all kinds of money and all kinds of years and effort to fix it. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.